Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Moza and I am joined as always by my good friend Dalton Del Don. And today we're going to provide you with a preview of each Sunday game for week 10. We in double digits now of the NFL season. But first... Okay, Dalton, I believe last week you said that Chloe was approaching her final meet of the elementary school third grade cross-country season. How'd it go? She sweep? It went well. She did win. You know, I was so nervous. My whoop device that I wear picked up an activity like I was doing an event myself. My heart raced so much right before the uh, the event. But yeah, it's uh, she didn't blow it on the final event as we feared. She went seven for seven, took home a little metal. She's excited. It's even a little, you know, it's not even plastic. It was actually a, a little bit felt metallic. And anyway, so she's super oh. excited. And she was so emotional that she burst into tears about 25 yards before the finish line because it was a little longer than she expected. So she pushed it. And may have felt a little pressure from her mom and dad. So it all just kind of erupted at the end. The picture I sent you, as you saw, her you know, her face yeah. is actual tears as she crosses the finish line. So, yeah, good stuff. I mean, that picture, though, was so... So Dalton did send me... I knew how it ended, guys. I was just setting it up for y'all. <laughs> um, but the picture you sent me... Because you took it out of a video, and then you sent me a yeah, still. My wife, and yeah. the picture, it was like a little bit gray outside, and she's definitely like bleary-eyed, and you can tell she wants it so bad. I feel like it was a picture that they could use in a Powerade ad or like a Gatorade ad for like girls doing things that are strong. And it was, it was so moving. I told you, I texted this. I got a little bit choked up because I was so proud of her. Thank you so much. I love it. Yeah, I'm proud too. Um, yeah, the season came and went fast. It was an exciting first, first time she'd ever done anything like this. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm sure the kids will catch up to her soon enough. And then next year there'll be older group and whatnot. But, but for this one it, brief two it. months was just so, so fun, man. It was so cool, but it was very it was exciting. Thrilling. But thank you. And now, also, we should let the viewers in on the fact that Andy Barons, whose daughter races cross-country in college yeah, and is yeah. an absolute stud, oh, yeah. has gone to state numerous times when yeah. she was in high school. Andy is coaching, like, remotely, obviously, your daughter. So I think this is awesome. We got some, like, real investment internally. Yeah, I don't know where she, my daughter gets it, too. Let me reiterate. I hate running, and I am not fast. But uh, So let, enough about me. What about PAX? Uh, so last time we spoke, we were worried about a little bit of a slump. Um, <laughs> and thank you to everyone on Twitter who reached out. I appreciated the feedback and the comments. Good news. We are out of the slump. We're feeling really good. He hit a nice. double on his first at bat and oh, then yeah. an RBI on the second. Yeah. And his team won. I think he has two more weeks of baseball before uh, the end of the, the last game is the Sunday before Thanksgiving weekend. So 
we're, we're doing pretty good. I, I felt it like at batting practice on Saturday. He like was in a rhythm and I made him stay a little bit extra just because it was going well. And I wanted him to take a little bit of that extra momentum into the game on Sunday. And they pulled him from pitcher on Sunday and said he played catcher. So I think that combined with the fact that he wasn't getting in his head as like when he played defense, you know, um, like we talked about last week, I think that really helped him. So maybe he'll just do catcher and hot corner now. Yeah, he's got a lot of position eligibility moving all around the diamond. I like it. I, like it. <laughs> I mean, in, in in Little League, though, they're just like basically yeah, trying yeah, sure. to <laughs> not, I don't know, it's kind of a mess. Uh, and eventually, you guys, someday we'll talk about our other kids who are very cute, but maybe not af- as athletically inclined or also old enough to do any organized sports just yet. Yeah, Mason actually starts basketball Saturday. The hustle never ends, Liz. I thought I'd get a day back in my life, but we're going to try to throw him out there. He's not like his sister. He's very much a mama's boy. I hope he's not hearing me, but I don't think he's going to flat out, uh, let's say, dominate out there on the hardwood. He's a little small kid. I think his, his percentile in the weight is like 11%, the last doctor checkup, but but that'll be fun. But yeah, no, it, it never ends. Yeah, there's more. And then and Chloe's now playing indoor soccer this weekend too. So yeah, wow. good stuff, but uh, the hustle never ends. Good for you, Mason, 11 years old, taking the court. I mean, Mason, four years old, four taking years the court. Old, yes. I love yeah, it, right. not 11. All right. All right. Anyway, let us move on to some professional sports here and some of the biggest news. There was, it was a big news day on Thursday. Sam Darnold out four to six weeks with a fractured shoulder. The Carolina Panthers are therefore then bringing back Cam Newton. This is obviously old news by the time everyone is listening to this. Um, Now, Cam is not expected to start week 10 at Arizona, though. It would be kind of poetic because he made his NFL debut 10 years ago at Arizona and passed for over 400 yards and scored three touchdowns. Alas, it will be P.J. Walker, XFL superstar, under center for the Panthers. Yeah, it gets the number two pass defense, Arizona, total unknown Walker. But I mean, I guess with Newton, you're grabbing him in super flex leagues with that rushing upside. But man, he did not look great as a passer last time we saw him. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely an option in super flex, though, because of his, his rushing ability. And I would guess he's going to start, if not next week, soon thereafter, because clearly they don't they're not super excited about Walker. I think he has QB 15 potential, especially when you look at his schedule. Week 11 versus Washington, week 12 at Miami. Then he's on by, then he's versus Atlanta. I mean, that is a wonderful schedule. And we have to remember that obviously his weapons are now a lot better than they were in New England. And um, hopefully he's shaken off whatever was going on last year in terms of his health. Yeah, as much as I do say, I agree with you, the fantasy value will be there with his legs. It's, an, an, you know, again, not great news for DJ Moore. The poor guy's dealt with some some shoddy quarterback play all season. And whether it be Walker or Newton, it's unlikely to be great, you know, far better passes than Darnold. It's just been not ideal for him or Robbie Anderson. But I'm with you. It was Cam, Cam Newton absolutely can be a top 15 fantasy QB when he, when he, when he retakes his starting job. It's great defense, and he's going to run the ball. I mean, he's a dominant, dominant goal line rusher. We've seen him be, you know, just like clearly not ready to be a passer in a system. yet still produce fantasy value just from purely his legs yeah well keep pounding and you know who else is going to keep pounding obj only now he's going to do it in a rams uniform um i thought one of my favorite tweets about this came from our very own troy king who said van jefferson season was fun while it lasted it's so true. I mean, I was in on Van, Van Jefferson. He was running the routes ever since their backup tight end went down. There was just a three wide receiver team. And now Beckham. I don't know what the Rams are doing personally. I, I wouldn't mess with the good thing. I mean, we've seen the on-off splits with Beckham and Mayfield. It was like a two-year sample. They were dramatically better with him off the field. So 
I, I mean, of course, there's a world in which it exists now with a new system, new system, new setting, and everything's great for Beckham. But I wouldn't mess with a good thing. And obviously, if you're a Cooper Cup or Robert Woods fantasy manager, you don't you don't love to hear the news either. So I don't know, man. There are a lot of better landing spots both in real life and in fantasy. What were your thoughts, Liz? I do think it's curious that the number one receiver on his previous team was complaining he wasn't getting enough looks and now is going to be at best a wide receiver three on his new team. It it feels like it wasn't either, either to me, it wasn't about target volume in Cleveland. It wasn't about how many opportunities he was getting. It was really just being attached to a championship and not wanting to live in Ohio. And Sean Jackson just, well, I just saw what happened there in this same similar situation. So yeah, yeah, I'm not sure whatever. I mean, Becca, maybe he just wants to win and good for him because it's a great situation here with Stafford. Like, yeah, I mean, good for him if he's putting winning above everything else. I mean, who am I to criticize that? Uh, the Rams are absolutely. And maybe one of that's the three, it. Like favorites. maybe that's the compromise. Like, oh, I get to live in LA, pursue. Obviously, sure. OBJ like has some sure. aspirations yeah. in the entertainment world, and that makes sense in Los Angeles. And if I can win and pursue this other stuff and get paid, then I don't mind as much about being the star on the squad. Yeah, totally makes sense. And that may be his thinking. But uh, yeah, for fantasy managers, it's certainly not ideal. There were some other situations, namely Green Bay, that doesn't even have a number two wide receiver, let alone the depth of the of the Rams. But um, it is what it is. And yeah, maybe that's, I, when you look at it in that angle, it makes sense for, for, for OG, OBJ. Let's talk about Carolina at Arizona. You mentioned that Arizona is the number two pass defense. So let's get into week 10's games. Um, Big question marks remaining as to whether or not Kyler Murray is going to start on Sunday. He hasn't practiced since October 27th. I mean, if you're Arizona, do you let McCoy get another start just to make sure that Murray is 100% next week when he takes on the Seattle Seahawks, who will have Russell Wilson back? And Carolina is a legit defense. Last week, they got it done with McCoy. They just really changed their playbook. The dot was uh, three yards down the field, and it worked against the 49ers defense. Got ran all over by James Conner. So uh, the rest of this, this Cardinals team, you know, they're 11-point favorites against a team starting P.J. Walker. So uh, they may not even need Kyler Murray. So I would, um, you know, temper my expectations if he does start, you know, more of a top 15, top 12 guy than he was in the beginning of the year because he had stopped running even the previous month before suffering this ankle injury. He's definitely not going to run well if he plays through it too. So um, you're probably using him if he does play, but it wouldn't hurt uh, all parties involved. Maybe if he sat out one more week and came back fully, fully strong in because, you know, in the game, theoretically, Arizona should win. It feels like DeAndre Hopkins might be in the same boat. Um, you know, he's still dealing with that hamstring issue. He didn't practice on Thursday, not as much of a hole to fill now that A.J. Green is off of the COVID list and expected to back. Rondell Moore, he is expected to pass concussion protocol, though he did not practice on Thursday. So we'll wait and see about that. And obviously, Chase Edmonds, as you mentioned, James Connors, dominates uh, last week is out with this high ankle sprain, and that's official now. Yeah, Connor, man, I uh, he, he looks like a top five type borderline fantasy guy moving forward because he saw more targets last week than he had totaled previously this team racks up goal line carries even last year they were top three there so uh connor the goal line guy now the feature back with uh with Edmonds out a few weeks um he's a he's a must start and in dfs our yahoo he's a low 20s i believe because he wasn't quite priced as uh you know the feature back that he's going to act as and if kyler's not available that's that many more goal line opportunities for connor Oh, yeah, he could be the center of this offense with Hopkins banged up, A.J. Green just returning, and Rondell Moore also banged up, too. I mean, Christian Kirk looking at a lot of targets, but, yeah, Connor could be the 100% focal point of an offense of arguably the best team in football that are 11-point favorites at home this week. 
Well, you're mentioning that they're 11-point favorites. Let's also talk about how Eno Benjamin has an opportunity to carve out a little bit of a role for himself. Arizona State, I love like a hometown kid, right? Went to Arizona State, 87th percentile burst, ripped off a 21-yard touchdown run uh, in addition to nine carries. Last week, used as a receiver in college, had 77 catches over his last two seasons at Arizona State. I think he's going to fill the Edmonds role here. Um, so certainly he'll see a couple of carries like he did last week. But when you mention that Arizona is favorited by 11, there should be enough opportunity here for Benjamin to at least sneak into like top 40 running back contention. Yeah, I love him as a flyer for sure. The draft Knicks have, have liked him since coming out of college and uh, the opportunities could be there. Man, he just uh, trucked uh, poor, I think it was Drake Kirkpatrick, uh, yeah. my 49ers last week and that impressive touchdown run just steamrolled over him. So absolutely like Eno is a deep flyer for sure. If, if you don't have to use him this week, definitely stash him because there's upside. So if we're talking about James Connors, the potential centerpiece for the Cardinals in week 10, we know that the Panthers centerpiece, Christian McCaffrey, who returned in week nine, should be back to centerpiece caliber production and involvement in week 10. Week 9, he managed a 48.3 snap share percentage, 14 carries, 4 catches out of 5 targets, over 100 scrimmage yards. You don't hate it at all. He was the RB15 for the week. Arizona, though, pretty solid versus the run. Number 7 in defensive DVOA against the run. Um, But I think Christian McCaffrey managers have to be pretty happy about his performance last week and heading into this week. I ranked him as my eighth, number eight back this week. His ECR is number four, but that's just nitpicking. It's a tougher matchup and he's seemingly at a higher risk of you know leaving the game at re-injury, but yeah, whatever, he's a top 10 back and you're using him if you have McCaffrey, no matter the matchup or no matter who plays quarterback for Carolina. But it's just not, you know, the greatest, you know, smash spot for him. But um, yeah, you're happy to see CMC back and, um, and, and getting, you know, treated like a, a close to a, a feature back hopefully this week. The Falcons are traveling to Dallas to take on the, I don't know, probably a Dallas squad that's licking their wounds a little bit. They're going to lick them a little bit more because Randy Gregory injured his calf at practice. He's expected to miss multiple weeks. That's obviously not a, a, a great spot. He's tied with rookie Micah Parsons with the team leading five sacks. So huge hit to their defensive front. I love this game in DFS, and I only like it even more because of that. Uh, Dallas coming off an F performance on offense with Dak Prescott, you know, Rusty coming off that cap injury. They're so good at home historically, so I expect a bounce back. Uh, Meanwhile, Matt Ryan over the last five weeks, number one in QBR. It's just taking a while for Arthur Smith. Even without Calvin Ridley, they're getting, I mean, last week, a big upset in New Orleans against a really good defense. So I'm expecting a lot of points. I believe it's the highest over-under of the week. Um, Yeah, this this should be a fun one. C.D. Lamb. Um, uh, Zeke Elliott's a little banged up something to pay attention to I don't know why I mean they were giving him carries when they were down 30 points in the fourth quarter so one can only assume that he's okay but there was like a legitimate wrap around his knee in the middle of that game but um, and Kyle Pitts man I, I know he keeps saying it keeps saying it but I do think he erupts in this matchup I think Matt Ramsey have to be forced to throw a lot in, in a shootout and I like Kyle Pitts and I, and I love this is the, the, the DFS game I'm, I'm looking to stack myself Kyle Pitts is a little bit tricky to me because as Calvin Ridley's exit and absences before his official exit proved, Pitts was getting ready to break out, but also defenses were keying in on him more and more, right? We saw that with Lattimore all over him last week, and it's kind of, it's just like capping it a little bit. And this matchup, like you got to imagine that Trayvon Diggs is probably going to spend most of his time trailing Pitts on the field, especially since they're using Pitts as a receiver, which I do think... The good thing about that is that it opens 
up more opportunities for these pass catchers. Last week, it was Zacchaeus, obviously, who scored two touchdowns, but was not the target leader. And I know that the bagel in week eight from Russell Gage was super tilting, but I do think that he has some nice PPR upside, especially, as you mentioned, in this matchup with the highest over-under of the week. A lot of points available in this one. And last week, he converted seven of a team-high eight targets. He was inside the top 24 at the position. He is recording more snaps and running more routes and drawing more looks than Zacchaeus. So I don't want people to be distracted by Zacchaeus' touchdowns. Fully agree. Don't chase last week's touchdown with Zacchaeus. Gage is more solid PPR play. And I do have some concerns about Diggs on, on Pitts this week. But Patterson's been making enough plays in the passing game. I feel mm. like it's okay without Ridley. You know, it's, at least there's this, not like they can totally devote all their attention on Pitts. I mean, Patterson's making a big play to game-winning catch down the field against the Saints last week. So, uh, yeah, that is a concern, though. But uh, Diggs, you know, he gets interceptions. But it's not like, I don't know. Sometimes we can overrate the uh, the matchups. I think Pitts is, is in store for a big game. And this why not this week when they're going to be forced to throw a ton because I do expect Dallas's offense to bounce back. I hope Tyron Smith is able to play. They have a shaky yeah. kicker situation there too. But um, yeah, that's an interesting one coming off that, uh, you know, just a total, total goose egg at home against uh, the Broncos. Well, the Falcons upset the Saints last week and the Titans upset the Rams. So let's go to a matchup between New Orleans and Tennessee. Biggest news for this matchup is obviously Alvin Kamara's knee. He did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday Keep an eye on these things. He's not the kind of player that needs to practice in order to start, but it certainly is concerning. We have to have then a conversation, right? If the big asterisk, if Kamara doesn't play, it will be Mark Ingram time, we have to imagine. Yes? 100%. You got to think about him in DFS for sure as an option. If Kamara is out, he can get targets. He can get goal line carries. They have the best offensive line. Bamber Cleveland, best offensive line in football. So yeah, Ingram would absolutely, I mean, you could argue, you know, top five uh, fantasy back this week uh, if he's the feature back for the Saints. So it's very, very important to pay attention to Kamara's uh, status. And I want to say this, Liz, and I was, last night I was, I signed on to, to do my bold prediction of the week. And I'm like, you know, I want to make sure no one, I, there's no way that anyone copied the person I have in mind here. There's no way anyone right, wrote about, I mean, there's a lot, you can pick any player in the league. No one's picking about Deontay Harris to make their one bold prediction of the week. And sure enough, yep, you had already filled that in. So I don't know it, it, what, what it is, great minds or what, but man, uh, uh, whatever. I, that's probably the curse is more what it is. And poor Harris is going to put up a, <laughs> he's definitely going to get shut out this week. But I, I was going to truthfully going to use him as my bold prediction of the week. Really? Love him as a sleeper, man. He's getting targeted on 35% of his routes. He looks like their best receiver. This could turn into a high scoring game against Tennessee, a team that's allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers this week. So yeah, I, I uh, and especially when you look at the targets with Simeon, uh, Harris has led Callaway right. and Traquan Smith. So yeah, man, I'm with you on here. Uh, sorry to steal your thunder, your sleeper of the week, but uh, yeah, I like Harris. No, I, I mean, I dig it. You mentioned so many of my talking points. You've been seeing Harris get a lot of um, a lot of opportunities, draw a lot of looks, but he hasn't really been able to ROI on many of them. And we know that he's like, I mean, he was undrafted out of assumption in Massachusetts, right? He was like a, a return specialist, a special teams guy. But those guys are often, they have big play potential. And he proved to be, he's been with the team since I think 2019. He's proven to be a capable receiver. Um, so we know with that kind of big play potential, one of those targets or enough of those targets are eventually going to hit. And I think that it could happen against the Titans. They've given up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers and they're top 12 in receptions over 20 yards allowed. So again, skill set specifically versus matchup leads me to believe that it could be one heck of a DFS play in particular. 
Oh, yeah. In on him on a DFS flyer this week, for sure. Conversely, the Tennessee backfield looks kind of like a mess without uh, without Henry. Peterson looked fit. He looked okay. But, man, it was a pretty much a three-way committee. Uh, I don't know. Are you more excited than I am? It's a tough matchup to the Saints have allowed, I think, the third fewest fantasy points, uh, fourth fewest fantasy points to, to running backs this year. No, I mean, I did scoop some Donta Foreman off waiver wires where I'm real desperate just because I need some scraps. And you never know if Adrian Peterson at his age gets hurt. Like, Foreman was pretty involved last week. So I think that that would be, like, the play. What I think is most interesting about Tennessee, frankly, is that even though it takes three running backs to make up one Derrick Henry, they seem pretty invested in maintaining their identity as a run-focused offense. They may, yeah, they, they, they're they going to try that, but they, I, it remains to be seen how much that is going to say. I think it's going to, for, they're going to be forced to pass more than they have been the first half of the second half. That's going to benefit A.J. Brown, Tannehill, and Julio. But you're right, they, they, they may, and maybe they'll get away with it. They keep winning. I mean, we, we expect, they lost Henry, face the Rams, they get another W. So they're, they're getting it done. Yeah, it's, it's, it certainly doesn't look like an ideal fantasy situation at all, though. But it's worth holding on to those guys, and maybe an injury or two will happen. But I, I the same with McNichols myself. But um, right now, they're tough fantasy starts. I mean, Dalton, it's been almost a week, and I can't believe I didn't see the Roger Saffold revenge game coming. Oh, so, so I actually saw a tweet pointing out all the revenge games and throughout the league. And there's so many. I, yeah, I, I lost the Saffold one too myself. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next matchup. It's Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is trending towards a start on Sunday. Are you worried at all about Michael Pittman's volume with Hilton potentially returning? Uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a slightly, but I'm still treating Pittman as, man, I still ranked him as a top 10 fantasy wideout. So yeah, it's not it's not great with Hilton back and in a matchup that they may just be able to run the ball a bunch in the second half. But Pittman is so, so good. And obviously, it's a favorable setup. They might be running the ball in the second half because they score many so many points in the first. So still starting Pittman with confidence. I agree. I also think he's earned the number one moniker at this point as well. And I'm not too worried about the matchup. So I have him in my, inside my top 12. I just wanted to mention it because I feel like we get questions about that sort of thing, which is a good question. Um, let's also talk about James Robinson. He's dealing with a heel issue. He did not practice on Wednesday, but he was back on Thursday. So he's likely to suit up on Sunday. I don't love the matchup. Not at all. Yeah, it's the number two run defense this year. The Colts allowed the second fewest fantasy points, but I he'd probably be treated as a workhorse. So you're probably going to use him as a top 20 fantasy back, just given the running back landscape. You're going to use him if active, but you, yeah, it's certainly uh, temper expectations and a tougher matchup and maybe playing not at 100%. Um, I'm going to give you a nerdy tweet, Liz. Just bear with me. During pure uh, drop back uh, situations this year, expected points added per pass, EPA per pass, in non-play action, non-screen passes, without any pressure from the middle of the pocket, there's only two quarterbacks that are negative EPA, and one of them's Trevor Lawrence, and he's the worst in football. So, <sighs> so just basically, That's it's saying when, just when nothing around him is all things being equal, and there's no pressure around him, there's no play action, he's in the middle of a clean pocket. Only Taylor Heineke and, and Trevor Lawrence are negative EPA per drop back. So it's not ideal, you know, this, it's not the best. Um, it's just something to note. It's obviously not received the best coaching um, his first year, but um, man, it's really, uh, it's kind of a mystery since he looked like such a sure thing as, you know, a generational quarterback that, you know, was the obvious number one pick for the past two and a half years. So I think few, few expected him to struggle quite at this extremeness uh, at this stage of his career. But he's still I obviously a baby. Say, I mean, it's nothing. It's two months. I mean, who cares? He's a baby. Yeah. He has a baby. Yeah. Um, I will I will say though that 
the thing about Trevor Lawrence that I like in this matchup is you talked about how Indianapolis is so good versus the run. So that means oh, yeah. that Lawrence is going to have to pass. Great point. And yes. we don't always need things to look good in order for them to be productive in fantasy. In fact, the Colts are number 26 in defensive pass DVOA. They're giving up an average of 251 passing yards per game over the team's last four contests. And they've allowed top six quarterback performances, Ryan Tannehill and Josh Johnson, in consecutive outings. So I do think that maybe using the momentum off of the unexpected win in week nine, Lawrence could be feeling himself and maybe chuck the ball, I don't know, 48 times. And the question for me is like whether Jamal Agnew and Dan Arnold, frankly, that's it. I mean, fine, you want to throw in LaVishka Chenault and Marvin Jones too, fine. But like whether those pass catchers are enough to like drag him into production. I only mention it because... I think there's a lot of questions at quarterback this week with Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. And so if you're looking for someone that you could plug in, or if you're in a super flex league, I wouldn't just automatically knee jerk away from Lawrence. These are awesome points. Um, volume can trump my nerd stats easily here. This is a, a, a pass funnel defense for sure. You can't run against them. That's why the Colts, yeah, they, they've had a, a good defense in real life this year, but they've allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So, you, And Lawrence can run too, so it doesn't matter if he's you know, inaccurate when it comes to fantasy necessarily. So um, yeah, despite what I said in his real life EPA in this matchup indoors, you know, with 10 and a half point dog, so should be having to pass a lot in the second half, even with James Robinson Robinson returns, uh, he could absolutely be a sneaky fantasy start in this matchup. The OBJ-less Browns are traveling to New England. OBJ might not be the only three initial wide receiver that the Browns are missing because DPJ, who had a triumphant week nine, missed practice on Thursday. We don't know much about it because it's a non-injury related dismissal or absence. Yeah, and, and he makes some nice plays downfield, but the volume isn't really there. This is a run first team. I'm just super interested in Dearness Johnson and DFS if both Nick Chubb and uh, Demetric Felton are out. Yeah, thir- right? I mean, it's just a must start. It's almost a free square, as they call it. I mean, he looks so good in his brief work this year. Um, one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, I know Patriots aren't the I- ideal matchup, but it's not, you know, super tough against the run. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm in on, on Johnson this week, for sure. I mean, he has upside. I, I switched, pivoted to him when you stole my Harris idea. And I said, uh, Dearness, <laughs> Dearness goes to the end zone a couple times this week and finishes as a top five fantasy back. Assuming, obviously, Chubb remains out. Damian Harris has been an absolute beast scoring week after week after week, but both he and the rookie Ramondre Stevenson were concussed and they both missed practice on Thursday. Now the reports that I have said right now at the time of this recording, which is Thursday late afternoon, indicate that Stevenson has a better chance of starting than Harris. Um, Regardless, I think everyone might want to give an eye or look to Brandon Bolden. He's available in nearly 65% of Yahoo leagues. Oh, this one might come up to game time, but yeah, if if this all comes out to injury, but if both the other backs are out, I like Brandon Bolden's a fine play, especially in PPR. Stevenson looks so good. It's unfortunate, you know, the concussions, both backs last week, um, and obviously Harris has been rock solid too. So that is a situation you absolutely need to monitor closely because any three of those guys could be easily put up top 20 fantasy numbers if the other two are out. We do. We, the Patriots have been riding this three-game winning streak, and it will be... Interesting, coming off of such a like defensive showing, Troy Hill in particular last week, whether they can scramble Mac Jones, who has been pretty even keel, all things considered. 
Yeah, yeah. Mac Jones is interesting uh, coming off. I wonder if he, has he been fine or anything? Has there been a result from that play? I'm just waiting for that. But hopefully one of these days he finds Jacoby Myers the Brian Burns in the end twist? zone. Yeah, the ankle twist. Yeah, I was wondering if there hasn't been a result from that. Um, he, um, yeah, he's been a better a real life player for the, for the Pats um, than he has in fantasy, and certainly looks better when you compare to other other rookies. But this uh, this matchup, I expect to be run heavy. Both teams, another defensive battle, not a ton of a uh, ton of plays, so not a not a great fantasy start for for Mac Jones. The Bills are traveling to East Rutherford to take on the Jets. You've got Mike White starting and Zach Moss for the Bills, obviously. He was concussed in week nine as well. Back at practice on Thursday, but wearing a non-contact jersey might play, which really does sink uh, Devin Singletary's $17 DFS value. Yeah, obviously pay attention to that. If Singletary would be interesting if Moss is out. But what's up with the Bills' offense since the bye? These cover two shell defenses have taken away the deep ball. And um, it's really benefited Cole Beasley, who's just racked up the target percentage and the catches in PPR. But um, the explosive offense, let's see if it bounces back. He kept waiting for every drive. This is going to be the drive. They're going to score a touchdown against Jacksonville. And it never came. And now Mike White, you know, he's obviously been a huge upgrade at quarterback. Um, so, yeah, it's a, I don't know, man. I, I would like the points. Uh, it's a lot of points for a struggling Buffalo offense against Mike White. Well, you're talking about the points because Buffalo is favored by 13, but you are discounting the secret ingredient in Buffalo sauce, which I'm not even kidding, has been Dawson Knox. The minute he was absent, you saw that offense crumble because there was no explosive red zone play. Well, he is back, baby. He practiced fully on Wednesday and Thursday. I think Buffalo can absolutely cover this and I am all for the rebound in week 10. That's a great call, man. Doc said, we'll see Dawson Knox. Maybe that is the difference for sure. Yeah. This should be an interesting one because Mike White has looked, looked pretty good. Those, I believe it's 23 targets over six quarters, basically with White and Michael Carter. So even though it's a tough matchup, I like Carter in, uh, in PPR. Sure. I think he's only 14, 14 bucks in, in Yahoo DFS this week too. So, um, yeah. Um, all right. I hear you though. That's an interesting one with Knox back. You could see it because Buffalo, obviously their offense is coming off an F performance. So it would be nice to see them bounce back for sure. Detroit was probably happy not to play last week, but they have to be back at it this week against Pittsburgh and they're at Heinz Field. The Steelers are eight and a half point favorites in this one, but Big Ben is dealing with the shoulder slash pec issue slash hip issue. We know how he loves talking about his injuries. We also know how he tends to do at home, particularly after talking about his injuries. The surprise though is that Najee Harris popped up on the injury report for the first time all season that was reported by Brooke Taylor, I believe, with a foot issue. We don't like running back with feet issues, right? Yeah, I got to pay attention to that. Hopefully it's just a rest issue because, man, he's been getting a lot of work as a right away as rookie year. Um, yesterday during the Harmon pod, we kind of were unsure about Claypool's injury, but it turned out to be more serious than we realized at the time. So a million targets for Deontay Johnson, who's already, I think, right just behind Cooper Cup in, in target percentage per route run. So uh, it can only go up so much, but still, he's, he's a top 10 guy without play, Claypool. And Fryermuth is a top 10 uh, tight end in this matchup, too, uh, without Claypool. So uh, And James Washington is actually a decent flyer now taking over, too. But yeah, I mean, Big Ben, with a, hopefully he's just exaggerating with the shoulder injury because otherwise you know it's a nice matchup against a, a very favorable Detroit Lions defense I wanted to ask you about James Washington because you mentioned Claypool didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday probably not going to suit up on Sunday that means that James Washington would move out to the outside and Ray, Ray McLeod would move into the slot both of those guys are ten dollars in Yahoo DFS um, AJ Parker who's the Lions slot cornerback pretty good in fact he is expected back 
in this week. He had been out with injury before the bye. So uh, he's top 30 in coverage rating per player profiler, A.J. Parker is. So I'm wondering if, if James Washington might not be a sneaky play here. Yeah, I like him. In games in which he's gotten more than five targets, he's historically put up pretty good fantasy numbers, and you have to project him as such this, you know, this week with uh, with with likely no Claypool, who's been labeled week to week. So to me, that means he's likely going to yeah. miss this week. Uh, for the Detroit side of things, the 0-8 Detroit Lions, by the way, still looking for their first win. Meanwhile, the Steelers are on a four-game winning streak. I wonder if... Man, if Najee, for some reason, is one of these, like, we're expecting he's going to play. We just have to mention that he popped up on the injury report because it was so sudden and unexpected and because he hasn't been there all season. Not like he's been battling anything. So we want to bring it to everyone's attention, but we're expecting him to play. If for some reason he ends up being one of these, like, surprise scratches, kind of like Tua was last week, then I, I don't know. Could the Lions, like, pull this off? Like, that's just... I, I'm they, they're gonna have eventually like the game the win streak is gonna have to end for the Steelers not a great offense eventually it's real hard to lose 17 games like that's historic I don't trust Pittsburgh and survivor pools this this week I hear you I don't trust that offense at all like I mean their defense last we saw them was kind of getting picked apart by Justin Fields who looked good himself admittedly yes, but you know, they're kind of getting kind of their defense didn't look that dominant in the fourth quarter against the, the Bears and and I don't trust this offense at all so I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit came out of the bye and um and and, and made this game close uh for fantasy Jamal Williams continues to miss practice yeah. coming out of yeah. that bye so that's very good news if you have uh, DeAndre Swift um but um I'm I'm with you that this game could uh, definitely be closer um yeah I, I took the points personally both the Buccaneers and the Washington football team are coming off of bye and the Buccaneers are steer- still nine and a half point favorites over the football team I mean, it's been a four game losing streak for the Washington football team though they are playing this game at FedEx Field so maybe that gives them some sort of advantage I don't think so because last we saw Tampa Bay they were getting upset by New Orleans and I think we've learned by now to buy into the angry Tom Brady narrative yeah, Brady has done, I think, 18 of his 25 TDs at home, but still, like, Washington's been getting lit up by everyone, allowing a ton of fantasy points to quarterbacks. Um, fire up Mike Evans. I think I moved him up to my number three receiver mm. behind only Adams and Cup, with Godwin looking like a really a good chance he misses this game. Antonio Brown's definitely out. Gronkowski's definitely out. So um, Tyler Johnson is an interesting deep flyer for sure. And I expect more touches from Leonard Fournette, too. So I love Mike Evans this week. I mean, he's a top top three guy. And then conversely, it's a, a pass funnel defense the Tampa Bay you cannot run against them so Terry McLaurin just based on sure volume uh should also be a borderline you know top top 10 top five type an elite fantasy start as well don't bury that Tyler Johnson nug Dalton also don't bury the fact that you totally scooped him in the league that we're in together because I went to go get him and I was like who has him there's no way anybody Mm -hmm. it's Dalton of course so that was my touche I guess for writing about Deontay Harris and my bold predictions you ended up getting the guy that I was trying to sneak in on Chris Godwin didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I don't think it's likely that he's going to play on Sunday. You mentioned no A. Well, AB is out of his walking boot, but he's still not practicing and probably no Gronk. Team just signed Darren Fells. That to me, and they added Brashad Perryman to the practice squad, right? Like that right. S- signals to me that there's a lot of injuries going on. Tyler Johnson, though, out of Minnesota, physical kid, really good at contested catches. Draftniks liked him. Um, he didn't get a, a ton of targets last year when he was with the team. He's in his second year now, but was 
certainly well-liked and well-respected. And I think he could be, especially with the red zone potential and missing Gronk, like an op- there could be some opportunity for him to score in this one, especially as you mentioned against the, the, the matchup against Washington. Yeah, Washington is not allowing 7.9 YPA, 20 passing scores on the air. People, yeah, there's been a <sighs> nice buzz with Tyler Johnson whenever he's got an opportunity, and he's certainly going to look at uh, and look at that, looks at in- increased targets this week. So I like him as a sleeper. And Antonio Gibson, he's still, the shins situation is going to continue every single week. Coming off a bye, it's still a problem. He's probably going to play and annoy us all, but I do think that keeps J.D. McKissick in flex territory. He's in that RB28 to 30 range, particularly because we know he can be used as a pass catcher, and we're anticipating that Washington is going to be chasing points. 100%. Didn't we see, was it Miles Gaskin get a million targets facing this Tampa Bay team a couple yeah. weeks back? So I could see McKissick actually be in the PPR, uh, the, the better play than Gibson actually in this matchup. Dalton, this next matchup was a game that you said had the potential to be the best of the year on yesterday's pod. So I'll, I'll let you take the reins here and intro it. What are we doing? The the Vikings Chargers? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much every single game between these two teams is, is ended uh, or sorry, been decided on the game's final play. So this just seems inevitable uh, overtime for me. Even if the Vikings jump out to a lead, Mike Zimmer will coach to let the other team back and even really vice versa. So, yeah, it should be fun for fantasy, too, and DFS. It's a yeah, it's an afternoon game too. High scoring, you know. Uh, the Chargers allow a ton of rushing yards, but yeah, I think it should be a so exciting. Wait, no, with Minnesota missing Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith, I think just think a lot of points are going to be scored, and I'd be shocked if it didn't come down to the the final possession to, when the game's outcome is decided. I mean, we kind of also love Clint Kubiak saying that Justin Jefferson, who's $25 in our daily game, by the way, needs more looks. He's had just nine targets and five catches over the last two weeks. Are you buying into that squeaky wheel? thought process here yeah hopefully he had a big catch last and then they went away from him what do you have like five targets over five quarters last week i mean yes get justin jefferson Found the ball the end zone, more. i mean he's yeah yeah he yeah i know yeah yeah i know he's productive. but it was also would, preceded so. by the fact that the week before it was like well we need to get dalvin cook going you know like this there's no yeah. there's no balance to this team that's why honestly on ffl last week i said that if there were two teams guaranteed a fifth quarter of action it was going to be the ravens and the vikings i mean oh, all yeah. the vikings do oh, yeah. they just they play these games that as you mentioned with zimmer like invite close games and so they're inviting overtime and the chargers this is a point made by producer john frankly as we were doing the wrap-up show last sunday the chargers seem to be one of these teams that plays to expectation like the like the lions like the matt stafford lions frankly like whatever the level of competition is that's what they play at if it's super high they try to match it and if it's not like we saw with the eagles like how are we how are the chargers winning by three against the eagles Totally. I mean, watch this game be a blowout either way now because it just all the writing's <laughs> on the wall to a very, very uh, contested, con- yeah, cl- close one. And uh, yeah, should be a ton of fantasy points both ways, though. So uh, hopefully Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both healthy because uh, looking forward to this one. Philadelphia, who I just mentioned, will be going to mile high to take on the Broncos. Denver are three-point favorites, but they have some issues. You would think after last week, like, well, Denver should be feeling themselves, but that offensive line is a mess. They're going to be without their left tackle, their right tackle, and their right guard. All of those guys are expected to sit. I mean, that, I don't know how I feel now about, especially with such a crowded receiving core and so many pass catching options, and yet not a voluminous passing offense. Like, how I feel about Teddy Bridgewater's 
ability to take advantage of this matchup. Yeah, I don't love it either. Other than obviously Sutton and Judy and, and a hopefully a, a healthy return of Fant helps. Um, maybe a poor defensive effort will help him be- with volume because uh, coming off last week's strong effort, they had been a disappointment overall with a lot of injuries. They traded away Von Miller and they lost Malik Reed and Patrick Sertan too. So maybe mm. uh, it just turns into more of a higher scoring game. But I'm, um, I'm with you with Bridgewater. He's more of a lower floor because there are going to be a lot of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in this game for sure. I do think Jerry Judy, who's only $16 in, in our DFS game, has some potential to pop in this one. He's probably the receiver I'm most interested in, especially because if the O-line is a little bit more banged up, then Teddy won't have as much time and might, you know, just start to feed um, Judy in the slot. Some of that, you know, shorter to intermediate yardage, those kind of gains. So I do think he is interesting. Also, it's worth mentioning that Avante Maddox and Darius Slay are both day-to-day. They're trending towards a go, but the secondary in Philadelphia, not 100% by a long shot in terms of health. Uh, with you on Judy, he's immediately pretty much become overtaken the uh, the number one role there over Sutton. And then, you know, Philadelphia, I want to say on offense, last month they've gone extreme run heavy after opening the year pass heavy. So, so it doesn't really hurt Jalen Hurts' fantasy value too much because he gets a lot of fantasy value on, on the ground. But um, even though Devontae Smith broke out last week, it's, uh, man, the last month this team has been the most run heavy in neutral situations in football. Seattle at Green Bay. Uh, this one is kind of a mess. Like, I, don't, I don't think when the schedule makers put this game on the calendar, they were anticipating that probably Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers would both be playing. I mean, we we're expecting Russell Wilson to be back. The finger looks good. Aaron Rodgers has said that there's he feels very confidently that he'll be able to play on Sunday, um, but there's been nothing definitive reported as of yet. Yeah, you got to. I think we're going to unfortunately have to wait until Saturday night to find out definitively. And it was weird him coming out and saying that. Yeah, maybe he left the door open. But um, after watching, you know, the, the Jordan Love situation last week, hopefully uh, Aaron Rodgers plays for for everyone involved here with the, the over under would probably drop significantly if he uh, if he bowed out of this game. But yeah, we want a healthy Wilson, healthy Rodgers, and yeah, you're firing up Devonte Adams and both Seattle receivers, and uh, yeah, it should be a lot of points scored. Yeah, that's pretty much the I mean, I do think Gerald Everett, like if you're desperate for a tight end, the experience that I anticipated for him in the Northwest has not gone according to plan by any means from like catching COVID to the Geno Smith experience. And obviously, you know, while Geno Smith was under center, Seattle like really clamped down and focused on the run. And that's not been efficient because of injuries. So I do think that Gerald Everett could see some potential with Russell Wilson under under center. Um I, I don't I don't hate that one. Um right now, over the last four weeks, the Packers have allowed an average of five catches and 52 yards to opposing tight ends. So it's like it's a tight like that's not great, but this is the tight end landscape. Like that'll get you tight end 13. Yeah, and he gets a quarterback back who was leading uh at least the NFC, maybe the NFL in YPA when he went down. So yeah, it's quite a big upgrade there too. So sure, in a in a thin tight end position, no no arguments here. And then I'll also add that Chris Carson apparently uh, is going to return. I'd written him off, thought he was out for the season. So apparently uh maybe not this week, but sooner rather than later, Chris Carson is going to return uh to Seattle's backfield. Yeah, you think he's going to be they're going to fully unleash him? I mean, the matchup solid. I mean, it seemed like you'd want to play some uh, keep away against Aaron Rodgers if he suits up. 
Yeah, hopefully we get more clarity from Carol and some more quotes because, uh, yeah, if, if we hear that he's fine and good to go, then, yeah, um, yeah, if you have Carson. I also just don't think Pete Carroll yeah. can, like, resist himself, right? Like, he, he can't resist. Right. Totally. And it's <laughs> totally. such a position of rhythm like we saw with CMC. Like, oh, he's supposed to be on a pitch count. But then the games happen and he's going to get run. <laughs> and so I, I also don't think Pete Carroll can be – I think be like, oh, just one more. Oh, just one more. And then – if Carson looks good and he's in a rhythm, it's hard to, like, pull him from something like that. Um, all right. Sunday night game is Kansas City at Vegas. Two teams that are in much different spots than they were at the top of the season. I do want to give my buddy Herbie T.O.P. of the Kansas City Star, one of my favorite friends, also a veteran. So happy Veterans Day to Herbie. He reported that CEH, who's been dealing with that knee injury, obviously, quote, looked great back at practice on Wednesday and is trending towards a start for Sunday. Love it. I know Herbie from back in Rotowire days, years and years ago. Um, He's in a great. Different life. Um, yeah, this should be a, a very, very interesting game. The Raiders are secretly uh, maybe they're secretly or maybe not so secretly good. Uh, their pressure rate is like top three in the NFL, and they're not blitzing. They're bottom three blitzing, so they're getting it done. That's the success a recipe for success in the NFL if you can create pressure without b- blitzing. So uh, they're, they're, they're a, a, maybe a more dangerous team than some people realize. Um, obviously, the Henry Rugg situation was horrible, but they have a, a, another week now to um, to deal with that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game because the Chiefs, Man, just like the Bills have really, really struggled against this cover two shell opponents taking away the deep ball and Patrick Mahomes being stubborn and refusing to go underneath and Travis Kelsey simultaneously looking every bit his age, suddenly looking old and, and not you know, inability to break tackles. So um, I, I don't know, man. Vegas is underdogs at home. You know, it could be a, could be a fun environment there in, in a night game. Yeah, and only two and a half point underdogs. Imagine that. Like that, woo, has that shrunk. That spread over the year. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. This, yeah, yeah, totally. No, you're right. Yeah. In DFS, are you taking a flyer on Deshaun Jackson? Oh, man. The first game, I don't know. if Yeah, uh, maybe in a, in a tournament if you wanted to, but that's that's a pretty big flyer first game. I wouldn't expect too much. You you highlighted Kenyon Drake, man. He's been really, really good uh, secretly over the last three weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, I, re- I really like him, and he's only $16 in this one. He's had one and a half red zone opportunities over his last four games. He's run 21 routes and caught a season-high six catches for 70 receiving yards last Sunday at the Giants. Um, and the matchup we know is good. Over the last four weeks, Kansas City has given up six and a half receptions and over 56 receiving yards to opposing running backs. Whether it's been Josh Jacobs nagging injuries, the coaching change, like just familiarity with a new city and a new squad, Drake has been feeling himself. And until Deshaun Jackson, as you're mentioning, becomes fully acclimated into the offense, you have to believe that Drake is going to have a real role in the passing game. Yeah, he has been getting it done. Um uh, Drake, hate the Drake, love the Drake. Um, he's back to being uh, usable for sure in fantasy. <laughs> um, Hunt, Hunter Renfro, our guy, Hunter Renfro here, oh. obviously an option at 17, all the targets underneath. I, you, I know you love his upside. Um, uh, speaking well, of he $10 scored players, last uh, week, right? But I, I, I was like, oh, yeah. what's oh, he yeah. going to do, six for 60 or something? And uh, yeah. basically uh, that's what he did. He just also scored, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Nicole Hardman probably more than Deshaun Jackson if you're one, uh, for a $10 one. But um, but yeah, the, I'm definitely looking forward to this this game. Seen at the Chiefs. Chiefs can write the ship against an underrated Raiders defense. I'm really hoping that the Raiders can like pull off an emotional win at home. That squad needs it. And 
Yeah. I mean, as it is going to, I feel like there's going to be a lot of clarity, especially if CEH is on the field again. My gosh, sorry, Derek Gore. That was fun while it lasted. I know. That one stung. Yeah, I know. I hacked him a little too. Um, yeah. 6.3 YPA Ra- Raiders are allowing the second fewest yards per pass attempt in the NFL. I mean, interesting. Well, there's just no like third option in Kansas City. Like as much as you like McCole Hardman every week, he's just not doing it. He's not consistent <laughs> enough. You know, it hasn't been Josh Gordon Horrible, either. Yeah. And I feel like the tree is so concentrated, but the talent has diminished in that you mentioned with Travis Kelsey and also defenses have like figured it out a little bit. So they haven't evolved at the same rate as, a, you know, as opposing DCs. No quarterback has seen lighter boxes and a lower blitz rate since 2014 than Mahomes has seen this year. But, you know, Andy Reid didn't forget how to coach. Mahomes didn't forget how to play QB. I, I'm expecting some adjustments, but it'll be fun to see see if that happens against a, a defense that can that has been ability to get pressure without blitzing. Everybody get your popcorn and enjoy it. That is it for us, though. We've run out of games to preview, but if you want to keep chatting with us, you know that you can do that over on social media. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don, and you definitely want to make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. And you should stick around here, too, because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez for a DFS-specific preview. Win yourself some money, right? We're heading into the holidays. you got to get that bag for this week's games on Saturday's episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. But until then, we are out, and good luck.